Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 9, if you want to turn there with me, I want to say how much I appreciate personally your support and your attendance and faithfulness to this conference. Some years ago, 2 Kings chapter 2, some years ago, uh, Richard and Anita Brooks were missionaries in Romania, and I received a phone call from Richard. He said to me that he had been bedfast and uh, had very severe back disorder. I was unable to uh, rise from bed without uh, excruciating pain. And uh, would I pray for him? I began to ask him some questions about uh, standard uh, uh, questions about people who have back problems. And uh, none of these uh, uh, fit. And finally I said to him, has anybody prayed for you recently or laid hands on you from any kind of religious group? And he said, well... I was attending a service where the Pensacola Brownville Insanity was. I wasn't into it. I was sitting in the back, and the man who was uh, preaching uh, came off and and, uh, threw his coat over me. And he said, "Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. I said, that's exactly the problem. I want you to take dominion, break the curse uh, of that spiritual uh, power. And I did, and instantly he's healed, got out of bed. Now, it has historically uh, 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 been established that there can be and is a transference of spirits. When people are associating together, they are in certain arenas and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, certain expressions and certain things are happening there. When they are with distinctive social and spiritual environments, it's very well established uh, that there can be a spiritual dimension uh, transferred, uh, a transference of spirits uh, and uh, imparted. This has been well established. We have come here into this Bible conference to impart uh, a spirit, to bring to you what we are and what we do And it is going to be far more than just simply sermons that are preached. Uh, What happens in our Bible conference, there's an impartation uh, of spirit, of what we are and what we do. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 9. So it was. This is Elijah and Elisha. When they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please. Let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked, 
Then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he'd also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elijah crossed over. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this evening about impartation. There are three areas that are very crucial in impartation. The first of these has to do with relationship. Now, we are in a uh, distorted perception often about uh, how this impartation takes place. Uh, and uh, we see the religious world that is around us. Their, uh, their uh, cliché is get under the spout where the glory comes out. And people will travel uh, from all over the world to a place where there's so-called... Uh, spiritual phenomena taking place, uh, some personality. They're hoping to have some magic touch that's going to touch them. I remember years ago when I was a new convert, I went to a, a great tent crusade with A.A. A. Allen and a healing, miracle healing crusade. And a great deal of excitement was being generated in the area of Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, they uh, invited people who wanted an impartation to come and pass by. And uh, preachers were uh, going to lay hands on them. There's going to be an impartation. I got up. I was hungry for God. I went through. When I went through, a man struck me in the forehead, almost knocked me down. Uh, and uh, the only impartation I got was anger. There's a crucial dimension that you must know if you're going to have an impartation, and this has to do with the relationship. Elijah said in verse 10, if you see me, go. Now this is very crucial because this bespeaks an intimate relationship to another person in pursuing your destiny. Don't miss this and listen carefully to what I'm saying. In this moment uh, that we're talking about, there is to be a crucial dimension that's going to be imparted. In 1 Kings 19, verses 19 and verse 21, So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha. He cast his mantle upon him. Uh, then he, he arose, that's Elisha, and went after Elijah and ministered uh, to him uh, or some versions say he became his minister. So this has to do with ministry. It has to do with minister. It has nothing to do with a pulpit ministry or a high-profile personality. This has to do with an intimate relationship to another person that is going to be crucial to you for you to pursue your destiny. Let's analyze this for a moment. The pursuit of destiny, uh, someone has said, uh, is not independent of another person, which is the 
generation, the do-it-yourself, uh, the superstar, the hero. But I want to say to you that what I'm talking about this evening has to do with a relationship. It means following. It means supporting another man's ministry and another man's vision and an intimate relationship whereby something is going to be imparted to you. It was Luke who wrote in the book of Acts chapter 16. They're at a dilemma. And as their dilemma, uh, they've been stopped in redirection. And uh, as they're there, uh, they don't know where to go, but they're waiting. And the apostle Paul has a, a vision of a Macedonian man that says, come over and help us. And Luke writes in uh, Acts chapter 16, immediately we gathered that the Lord had called us. Paul gets the vision, but Luke, who is a part of this team of ministry in this intimate relationship, says we concluded that the Lord had called us. Now it's interesting that this point is often missed because it's investing your life in another man's ministry if you're going to have the crucial dimension uh, that you're going to need. Brother uh, Camel so aptly uh, referred to that. Uh, will you invest in another man's ministry? And this has to do not only with your time, but it also has to do with your money. That's true. But here in the text that we have, we have a challenge, and that challenge is to lock in to that dimension. This is the key that's going to unlock. It has to do with a relationship. Will you invest your life in someone else's ministry? Let me go a little bit further than that. Will you as a pastor, will you challenge your congregation to invest in someone else's ministry? Perhaps you were, you were planted out of the Tucson congregation. Will you challenge your congregation uh, to invest uh, in the ministry uh, of Tucson, Arizona? Or perhaps you're out of El Paso. Or perhaps you're out of San Antonio. But you see, this comes down to uh, being willing to pursue your destiny by investing your life uh, in someone else's ministry. And here's the key to the supernatural uh, because uh, you have to be able to look beyond the present elements, uh, the present frailty of human personality uh, to see God at work uh, so that uh, you can have imparted to you that dimension through relationship uh, with another person. We're talking about a relationship of interaction. That interaction is going to begin to work in your personality. You're going to view uh, overlooking the frailty of human flesh sometimes. Uh, this is not an excuse for sin. Uh, this has to do with the frailty of human personality so that you can see what God is doing. How many of you know that there is nobody perfect that I know around here, including yours truly? I was astonished, uh, I think it was last July, preached in the July conference, how uh, last January when we're being faced with the problem in Australia, and I confess that I said to the men, I don't think I have the emotional, I don't think I have uh, uh, the mental energy to come to grips with what must be done. And I spoke that in the conference, and I had a number of people come to me because I made the statement, uh, that you think that I'm Superman in a suit, I'm not. I have all the frailties that you have. 
I have all the fears and lack of confidence that you have, but God, can you say amen? But God is able. God is able. God is able. Amen. And God will move through personality and impart to you that which is needful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much, uh, and in much uh, trembling. There's something is triggered in our personality when we open ourselves and make ourselves vulnerable to other people for the impartation of a spiritual dimension. And this is the key to the supernatural. And it's here as a Elisha uh, follows uh, uh, Elijah, and there's something that's crucial there. He became his minister. That doesn't mean he preached uh, when he was tired, uh, and, and Elijah didn't want to preach. This means uh, that he was involved in the menial task, uh, and we can only imagine what all those were, but he locked himself into this relationship, uh, and as you're going to see, this was crucial to his destiny and to his future. Secondly, I want to talk to you about contending. Now, there's a very clear principle that is here in this text, uh, and uh, they uh, uh, often miss uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the deep, profound uh, uh, truth that is there. Uh, I preach in a lot of places. I have uh, sometimes young men come to me, and, and they say to me, Pastor, would you lay hands on me? I want your spirit. Well, I'm flattered by that. I don't uh, say to them, it's not evil for them to say that. Uh, but uh, uh, this is not the whole picture. See, the whole picture is uh, that you're dealing with a culmination uh, of a lifestyle uh, when there is a spirit uh, that you're desiring. Uh, it's not some magic, I'm going to lay hands on you, or anybody else is going to lay hands on you, and you've got it. If you think that that's true, then you're deluded. So let's ponder that for a moment. One, uh, one writer says, we live in a culture of drive-in spirituality. Our people drive into church, get a serving of God, and then drive home. See, the pursuit of destiny this evening uh, is the chief goal that you have uh, in life. This is a generation of dabblers. I want to dabble a little bit in that. I want to dabble a little bit in that. Dabble and become nothing. Are you still with me? But we're looking tonight at a tremendous testimony of the simple and yet profound dynamics of God, and that is that the pursuit of destiny is the chief purpose of every person who's sitting in this building tonight, and if you miss that, you might as well pack your bag and go home tonight to become what God has ordained to see God unfold uh, what he has for you. And Elijah says uh, to Elisha, don't miss this. Uh, you stay here. I'm going on. Second Kings 2, 1 and 2. It came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives uh, and as your soul lives, uh, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, it seemed like I preached a sermon on that some time ago, but here's Bethel. You can pursue the typology and get the truth of that. They went to Jericho. They went to Jordan. 
But it's just significant tonight uh, that here is the defining moment of all. This is the defining moment. This is going to be the hinge pin. This is going to be the crucial element that is going to determine uh, whether Elisha has his destiny or not. Uh, and if he misses this, uh, and if he's diverted from this, uh, he's going to miss the destiny uh, that God has uh, for, him, for his life. Uh, and he's contending. Can you say amen? How many of you know what contending is? That means I'm not going to let go till I have what God has for me. Now, we're not just simply talking about contending for a moment. We're talking about the long haul, uh, contending for life. Uh, and he said three times uh, in the text uh, of the whole uh, story, three times he said, As the Lord lives, uh, I will not uh, leave you. It is the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, verse 14, who said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this is going to mean that you're going to contend regardless of what the issues of life come to pass. You're going to be contending when you're weary in well-doing. You're going to be contending when your flesh says, later for this. I just want to relax and have some peace. Amen. Are you still with me? You're going to have to contend when there's a temptation to be satisfied with a lesser role. So when I'm looking at this text for a moment, here's a man. This man says, I want a double portion of the Spirit that is upon you. It goes far beyond him just throwing a mantle on him and going on. It has to do with the culmination of an entire lifestyle. And he said, I will not leave you until this comes to pass. Now, this is, this is counter to the popular trend in the religious world in which we live today. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 3, Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. They said, listen, are you aware of what's happening here? Don't you know that Elijah is going to be taken from you today? And he said, I know. Shut up. <laughs> they had a religious involvement. They even had some kind of understanding of spiritual things because they knew that he's going to be taken up this day but they did not know the thing that was crucial and the missing key that they did not have was in discipleship. They did not know that the key to the double portion that's going to propel this prophet above even Elijah's ministry, they did not know that the key to this was in discipleship but Elisha knew it, uh, and Elisha stuck with it uh, and would not uh, leave it. This is in the framework of headship. I want to tell you something if you listen to me just for a second. If you're a rebel, I've already offended you. <laughs> there is a powerful move today on several fronts 
to remove the framework uh, of headship, uh, but I want to tell you that what we're talking about tonight uh, is in the framework uh, of headship. Strong men who have influence, who write books, who uh, have some kind of profile in the religious world are making statements uh, uh, such as that headship ought to be a committee. They ought to be uh, someone that uh, they form a consensus. I want to tell you the headship has nothing to do with consensus. As a matter of fact, many times uh, a consensus will call you to miss God a hundred miles. Headship is God moving, manifesting himself uh, and imparting uh, to others uh, this principle uh, by which God uh, has ordained that he's going to impact uh, the world. The issue tonight uh, is the finish. It's wonderful to begin, but it's something else to finish the course, uh, and uh, there's a defining moment at hand. This defining moment at hand uh, is that Elisha is not going to be turned aside. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, I fought a good fight. I have finished the race. Uh, I have kept the faith. And it was Jude who wrote these words, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Can I say to you something tonight? Listen to me very carefully. We're in the final lap, folks. Some of you are sitting here, all the rebels saying, Yeah, I've heard that hype before. Listen to me. We are in the final lap. If you're so blind to not see the elements that are at work in our, in our world, uh, how uh, men who uh, wrestle with leadership uh, are totally beside themselves, they do not know what to do. They have no answers. Uh, as the prophet said, uh, that in a generation uh, when Jesus is coming, uh, men's hearts are going to be failing them for fear of those things that are coming upon the earth uh, and turmoil in nation and leaders not having any knowledge of what to do. We're in the final lap. If you're going to turn aside, don't turn aside now. We're in the final lap. This is the closing moment. Look at this story for a moment again, because this challenge is for everyone sitting in this building. This challenge is for older people. I see older people that suddenly they've, uh, uh, well, uh, I've heard this before, and so let's... Uh, Let's, let's, don't be so excited anymore. Let's let the young people do this. Uh, older churches begin to develop spiritual uh, 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 arterial sclerosis, uh, hardening of the brain. <laughs> Look at this text for a moment. This is the defining moment. This is the moment uh, that is going to decide the entire destiny uh, of not only this man, but many people that he's going to influence, and he will not be turned aside. He's going to contend for that which God has for him. He knows this is in discipleship, and he sticks to the stuff. He won't be diverted. He won't be discouraged. He won't turn aside, but he said, I'm not leaving you till I have a double portion of that spirit. Now, I want to talk to you about impartation for a moment. 
there are some significant images in the Bible. And I said to you in the beginning of this that uh, there is a principle of impartation or a transference uh, of a spiritual dimension. This is very well documented. I've referred to our congregation a couple of books that I've read that's very interesting concerning this. But the double portion is very significant because this is the birthright dimension. This conveys privileges and blessings that are far above the average person and the blessing uh, that God is going to give. Uh, this is a spiritual conveyance uh, by God. It has to do uh, with the inheritance. Uh, it has to do with the status. Uh, it has to do with a blessing. Uh, it is the favor of God by grace uh, in a portion above uh, the normal. Uh, and this is what Elijah, Elisha has uh, begun to ask for. Now this is going to play out uh, this evening in every factor of life. It was Isaac uh, who the scripture says uh, God blessed Isaac uh, and as he blessed Isaac uh, he blessed him with glorious provision. Uh, he gave him supernatural protection. Uh, he gave him a tremendous inheritance uh, and uh, this is the blessing of God. Now that's what I'm talking about tonight. You can uh, have certain positions uh, within ministry and within uh, the family of God and within the church without blessing, without this what I'm talking about, the double portion blessing. This is going to be a dimension above, over and above the normal, uh, and this is what Elisha is asking for, and there's a clear picture that is here. He sees him go up. Uh, he has kept that intimate relationship. Uh, he stayed by the stuff. He's not been drawn aside uh, by the school of the prophets. Uh, he gets the mantle, walks back to the water, and the water's divided, uh, and Elisha crosses over. Listen to the scripture, Second Kings 2 and verse 15. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Here's a question that I want to pose to you. Can one person's spirit be transferred to another person's life? Think with me for a moment. Here's a profound dimension. Can one person's spirit be transferred to another person's life? Yes, it can. We have the history in the Bible that confirms this. Moses, God spoke to him and said, Moses, choose out 70 men. I'm going to take this spirit that is upon you. I'm going to put it upon 70 others. And Moses had something that God could transfer to another person. It was uh, the, uh, uh, the man Isaac. Isaac had something that could be transferred, conveyed, imparted. This is why uh, he was able uh, to impart this uh, to the two sons uh, uh, that came before him. This is why Jacob could impart this uh, to the twelve, his, uh, his, his 12 uh, sons. Uh, this is why that we read in the scripture that Elijah had something. And the Bible says very clearly that could be transferred uh, to another person. Uh, and I want to ask you a question tonight. What do you have uh, to impart tonight? 
Let me read you a tremendous statement. This is by a coach. He's a, uh, he was sued by the American Civil Liberties U Union uh, for praying with his team. And uh, his name is Dave Dambenmeyer. Listen to this. Bear with me. In 1987, at the age of 35, I met Jesus. Raised in church as a child, forced by my mother to watch Billy Graham crusades on television. I was religious enough to know right from wrong, nothing more than a religious pagan. I ran to the altar with fear and trembling when the gospel was clearly and uncompromisingly articulated me from that day forward. My life has never been the same. Jesus did for me what a phone booth did for Clark Kent, changed me into a new man. Overnight, I had gone from serving the king of beers to serving the king of kings. And for the next 10 years, men of God tried to turn me into a sissy, to domesticate me to conform me to their image of what a Christian man should be until the American Civil Liberties Union came knocking at my door. He was praying for his, with his teams. I thank God for the American Civil Liberties Union. They dynamited my sissy hind end out of the pew. I've been on a devil hunt ever since. I grew up on John Wayne in combat, have gun will travel, and paladin. Who can ever forget Matt Dillon and Gunsmoke, Hoss Cartwright and Bonanza, Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry, and Clayton Moore as Jay Silverheels in The Long Ranger? Has there ever been a greater line than the one uttered by Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke, calling it your job, don't make it right? Today, our sons get weenies like Leonardo DiCaprio, Sean Penn, Clay Aiken, and Zach Ephron. Our churches get Joel Osteen, Ed Young, and Ted Haggard. When I was a young boy, the good guys were men. They loved women, and they defended the weak. Today, our leaders come to consensus. They preach, reach across the aisle and are open-minded. Well, not me. I'm closed-minded and proud of it. <laughs> I know what I believe, and I'm not afraid to defend it. The prissy pastors don't know what to do with me. I wonder, was Jesus open-minded? Did he preach a message of consensus building? Did he use mousse, face cream, and wear designer jeans? I was reading this week, Matthew 16, where folks had trouble differentiating between Jesus and John the Baptist. They were cousins, you know. The establishment wanted nothing to do with the Baptist. He wasn't polished enough. Locust, camel hair, wide honey, wild honey wasn't in vogue, if you know what I mean. Jesus flipped over tables. John's mouth cost him his head. Their paths took them down the same road. Jesus wasn't relevant to the world. Uh, he overcame it. Among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Uh, keep your moose and jewelry and pass me the locust and the wild honey. Jesus was no sissy. It's time we stopped representing him as one.
Now let me get back to the point for a moment. I'm talking about impartation. See, this is what makes our conferences uh, so powerful is that there isn't just simply sermons that are preached. Uh, there are workers here that brought with them a supernatural dimension to impart. Can you say amen? There are workers here who have vision. And if you listen, you're going to feel that. We had Sergei Golubev preach for us last night, and I was sitting listening to this young man. I don't know how old Sergey is. He's getting older now, but my guess was somebody asked me. I said, I guess 30 to 32. I'm listening to this young man preach, and I knew what was happening in the dynamic as my heart is being pulled. What he was doing was he was imparting vision. The reason he could impart vision was because he had it. It's easy to read a book, get a quote, get a thought, uh, but it's far different, and we have men here in this conference who have vision to impart. We have men here in this conference who have a supernatural dynamic of the Spirit of God to impart, and so there's a challenge that we have tonight, and that's a challenge I give to the recipients. We have people that are open to impart. Are you open tonight to, to receive? Are you as Elisha tonight setting your heart on destiny and saying in this week, God, I've got to have destiny. I'm willing to do anything that there is to do to obtain that. And one of the ways you get that is you open your heart to seek God to have an impartation. The Lord said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to curse them that curse you. I'm going to bless them, uh, uh, bless, uh, and you're going to be a blessing. And Abraham, Abraham had a blessing to impart. As a young man asked me this week, probably yesterday, or was talking with me, and uh, he said, I want... I came here to get an impartation. I said, that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow night. And it's here for those who will receive it. There is no impartation. It is a spiritual dimension. It is no magic. It is something that God is willing to give. And this conference can be a turning point in your ministry if you're open to receive it. Uh, this can be the turning point in your life. There are workers that are here in this conference, uh, and God will reach into your heart. There are pastors that are here. In one moment of time, He can change the direction of your life, and He can bring revival to your church. That's God. Can you say amen? That's what God can do. In one fraction of a second, God can begin to change the direction of your life, uh, and He's willing to do that uh, if uh, you're open. Unless God gets access to your heart tonight, unless God can begin to move in you, 
begin to shake you loose from most of what the religious world is into, seeking to be religious but still retain all the appetites of the flesh, all the rewards of life, all that the world has to offer. That's what the religious world wants, unless God can turn you from that and speak to you about destiny. Then you simply will attend services this week and you go home exactly like you came. God's moving tonight. Can you say amen? That's not religious hype. God's moving tonight. You're going to hear a report from Cambodia. Unbelievable. Madagascar, Cambodia. We can't even imagine where those places are. We heard a testimony tonight of a couple who wanted destiny. Who wanted destiny. Who would not turn aside from destiny. And they're in a nation today. Simple advertising. Simple dynamics. Hundreds come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Impartation is here. But the question is, uh, are you open to receive it? I simply read to you this statement. Uh, uh, this quote is long-winded. But I read that to you because this is what the religious world is. Uh, pastors that act like a woman. God delivers uh, can you say amen? God deliver us. Want to relate to the world. Want to accommodate the world. Want to please the world. That's not what our calling is. Our calling is to overcome the world. Can you say amen? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Moving in. for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.